Hi, this is Pastor Mike Gordon, and welcome to Bethel Brandon's Sunday Message. For more information about this podcast and more resources, visit us at BethelBrandon.ca. Now, some people are away at camp, I'm sure. Uh, Those of us who are here... Usually it's one of those weekends where you say, hey, this is a good time to do spring cleanup. Any spring cleanup people here? One or two? Um, you know, my wife had the idea of saying, you know, we should paint. We should paint uh, the house or the inside of the house. And, and let me just kind of give you a definition of my wife's um, definition of painting. Uh, let's paint this and we're going to paint the main. It's one of those ones you ever have a room where it kind of every other room it seems to be attached to that room. And so, so I'm starting in the hallway. I'm kind of doing the dining room, the living room, the kitchen. I think uh, I just found out this morning that the, uh, that the laundry room is attached to that one as well. So, um, <laughs> so my wife's job is to get the paint, make sure that's stirred up. And then she says, go ahead and paint. And that's how we paint the house. So as I stand here... This morning, there are muscles that are aching that I forgot that I had. And I don't know, perhaps you were here as well the same and maybe cleaning up or whatever. It's always a great weekend. Uh, something about the, the May long weekend that says, hey, we have arrived at spring at least and uh, good, good things are ahead. I wanted to talk to you today uh, and ask you a question. Are, are you a worshiper? And you say, what do you mean? We were just singing a whole bunch of great songs. There's a great atmosphere in here. That obviously uh, means that we're all into worship. We're all great worshipers. But we all know, if you have been a Christian for any length of time, that there's a whole lot more to worship than just singing um, the songs. And there may be some who are here, and maybe you are, are joining us online just trying to figure out what's happening. And sometimes you will join online before you actually come in person. And... Uh, You say, well, I really don't worship anything. But in fact, that's not true. We were made to worship. Everybody will worship something. So the question is not whether if you worship. The real question is, what or who do you worship? There's a quote that I've uh, put up here by uh, Ralph Emerson Waldo. It says, what we are worshiping, we are becoming. I thought that was an interesting quote. In other words... Your deity will shape your identity. Your God will shape your identity. If your God is money, it will shape who you are. If your God is in anything else, in your job, it will shape who you are. It's just the way it is. And there are a number of wonderful passages of Scripture. But there's one that has often caused me to take a double take. You ever do that? You're reading the Bible, you're kind of doing your devotions, and, and this kind of line or something happens in the Scripture, and, and you say, well, what exactly does that mean? Um, there's a passage of Scripture in, um, in Psalm chapter uh, 96, verse 9, and this is what it says. It says, worship the Lord in the splendor. I think it's King James Version. It says, in the beauty of his holiness, tremble before him all the earth. Now, if you've read that passage, or that one seems familiar to you, just kind of give me a wave. Yeah, most of us have kind of. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you have come across that. Thing is, this isn't the only place where it is. It isn't where it really finds its origin. But David says it quite a bit. Um, the first time that we read about this passage 
is in 1 Chronicles chapter 6, 16, sorry, verses 8 to 36. And what was happening at that time was that David was returning the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. He was bringing it back home. And for those of us who don't know what the Ark of the Covenant was, it was something which represented the power and the presence of God. And to move the Ark of the Covenant was no uh, task that you were to take lightly. As a matter of fact, on one occasion where they tried to move it, it was going to fall over, and one person put his hand up to steady it and died. Remember the story? And so one of the major things that David does in his life is to return the Ark of the Covenant. And so as a result, what he does is he sings a song. He, he creates a psalm, and it's recorded in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And in it, he starts, says this phrase, to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So it's found there. It's found in Psalm 96. It is found in Psalm 29. It is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21, with Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. And so... It's not one of those scriptures that kind of randomly comes in. You only read about it once in scripture. It is something which is important. But have you ever stopped to consider what that means? To worship the Lord in the splendor or the beauty of holiness. It's kind of a good question. It's a kind of important thing for us to ask in our day, in our age. Now, as I took a little bit of a deeper look at this particular passage of scripture, I found out that there is kind of a split in what people think. There are a number of people, commentators, people who have dedicated their life um, to interpreting the Word of God that, be, that think that the beauty that they're talking about was the garments of the priests, that they were absolutely extravagant, beautiful, that that was what was being described. Another group was saying this, well, no, it's actually talking about the Lord. And so... As you take a look at the, the language, they have kind of come to the conclusion that you can actually interpret it either way. It's really hard based on the language in which they had used to say whether it's one way or the other. And I think that that's interesting because both are important to understand. Both are important for us to, to kind of recognize when we talk about worship. See, to worship in the beauty of holiness, to see God for who he is, to celebrate the essence, the character, the attributes of God, to recall and extol the great attributes of God, the fact that he is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent everywhere. God never changes. You can't add to God. You can't take anything away from God. And to consider all these things is an incredible thing. God is always in control. So you worship to God is to be in awe of all of that. We think that we know God, but we don't. We may say, I'm just a kind of class one-on-one with God. I don't even know if we're even there. I think it will take eternity to actually know God, to actually figure everything out, and we probably never, ever will because he is God. It'll take eternity. But to worship God in the beauty of his holiness takes on another reference as well. Because not only does it cause us to see God for who we are, but to see ourselves for who we are. 
to understand how we fit in the process. Now at this time, there's a fork in the road. Because if you're here and you're listening and you don't know Jesus, or perhaps you're here and you're watching online, if you don't know God, the Bible says that you are separated from God. Some people kind of have the thought that, well, okay, if I live a good life, then, then God is going to eventually like me and let me into heaven. But heaven is not the default. The fact is this, that unless we come to know God, we are known as an enemy of God, that that sin will separate us. That there's a separate gulf between you and God that you can't do anything to earn yourself way, your way towards God. And so for those of you who are in that place, it is important to say yes to Jesus. You might be here and you're kind of hanging around a bunch of friends who are Christians, but you've never really made the decision yourself. Well, until you do, the Bible says that you are separated from God. That's why it's an important thing to do. That's why I try and mention it every week, at least allude to it every week. For those people who may not be watching, this is how important it is. Contrary-wise, if you do know Jesus, if you said, God, come into my heart, forgive my sin, be Lord of my life, the Bible says for those people who passionately follow him, that there is a change in the relationship to the point where you become an heir. You become uh, like a son. You are kind of grafted into the body of Christ. And this is a wonderful thing. Because anything that you do having to do with that has nothing to do with your credit. It has to do with the fact that it is an unmerited gift, favor from God. And to understand that is an important thing. Worship is understanding God for who he is and understanding ourselves for who we are. And that word holiness is a powerful word. That's why it says tremble before him. We tremble because we are aware of this fact of who God is. And we are where we are only because God has put us in that place with him. Are you with me still? Oh, well, that's good. That's good. I, I, you know, sometimes I wonder if I lose people at the beginning. To celebrate the greatness of God, but also to celebrate the covenant relationship with God. To celebrate the fact that we are sacred and dedicated to God as his possession. To understand that we are one with him. And when that happens, it builds faith. It diminishes fear. It gives us confidence when we understand this correctly. That's why worship is so important. If I understand worship, it takes away some of the pressures that perhaps you might be going through. And you all of a sudden realize that worship is something which is beneficial to us. It isn't intended to help God. God is not helped by worship, but we are. It is a reminder of proclamation and victory. Wow. So the question I have for you is this. What is it that you need victory over? It's an important thing to celebrate the greatness of God, but also to celebrate our covenant relationship with God. So what is the so what factor? So you say, well, that's great. So really, how does that affect me? What exactly does that mean? Well, basically it means that to worship is to honor God with extravagant love and extreme submission. There's something about people of God who are set apart. And that's what holiness means. To be set apart. When people who love Jesus with all their heart and are set apart to God, dedicate their heart to God in devotion to God, true worship happens. 
And true worship is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on the priority list of our lives. And worship is a matter of the heart expressed through a lifestyle of holiness, being set apart. You see, your worship and walk, and walk go hand in hand. The more worship is, the more worship is a non-negotiable priority in your life, the greater your worshiper, uh, the greater worshiper you will become. And if you can understand the full aspects of worship, it will allow God to do great things in your life. I'm not, and I'm talking about the everyday process of worshiping God. It's much more than singing, and I think we realize that. But what would happen if we really understood this verse for what it is? To live in the conscious presence of God in your life. To be conscious of the reality that God is here and actively involved in your life. When you understand that, the healthier you become as a Christian. The less you begin to worry, the bolder you become, the happier you will be in experiencing joy and hope and peace. The more you will be aware of his holiness and love, the more you will feel carried through the tough times in your life, the more you will actually give to Jesus, the more you will hear his voice, the less you will desire to sin or face temptation or discouragement. And there's a difference, there is a reason why it says worship in the splendor of his holiness. What a fantastic verse. How is that input in my life that I have this quote, and I don't know who quoted this, but I found it so many times, I'm not too sure who actually said it. If we could show the next, the next hymn. Because of God's unimaginable generosity towards us, God, in all of his glory, chooses to respond to us through our worship. It's incredible if you stop and think of it. To actually practice the presence of God. You ever heard of that book, Practicing the Presence of God? In the 1600s, there was a, a friar or a monk, and his name was Brother Lawrence. And Brother Lawrence had kept kind of a journal of the interactions that he had uh, with people. And the contention of his book was basically making the love of God the end of every action that you do. And so what happens was he wrote all these notes down. And it is still a popular book today. Like what's that? 400-year-old book? How many 400-year-old books are still being sold today? You can go on Amazon and type in Practicing the Presence of God. You will be able to buy that book. That's how powerful it was. The aspect of worship being the acknowledgement, and the more that we continually and active acknowledge God, the more God is able to work and speak and interject life into ours. It's kind of like it's kind of like that live wire. You ever had one of those lamps where the wire is kind of loose, and when the connection is made, the light goes on. But when the the, the connection is not there, the light goes off. I believe that a life of worship can be very much like that, and. You can't compartmentalize it. Basically, the thought is this. When I worship God, I make it a part of all of my life. If I sit there and say, Sunday is where I worship, I've missed the point. If I, if I make worship set for just certain times of the day, I kind of miss the point. And that's the wonderful thing about worship. Your worship shouldn't have business hours. 
There shouldn't be a close for business and an open for business sign on your worship life. Should there be? And so if you relegate worship to certain moments, you kind of miss out on the whole process. And the question that causes us to ask, is it possible to continually walk and praise and worship God? Well, certain scriptures seem to indicate that. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, walk in the Spirit. Get to that point where you're just continually. It says in Proverbs chapter, um, is it 4, verses 3, 3, verses 4 and 5, in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And so, like normal, whenever I go through a passage of Scripture, I say to myself, I don't think I have enough time. So what I want to do is I want to at least scratch the surface of what it means to worship God, not just worship God, to worship God in the spirit of holiness. I believe that there's a number of ways that we do that. There's a number of ways that that is incorporated into our life. And I thought I would just kind of share a few of them right now. I think, first of all, we worship God through our words, through our articulation, to vocally acknowledge God's goodness and grace and mighty power and love and thanksgiving, to use the vocabulary that God has given us to paint a picture with our words. And Scripture talks about this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Let us continue to offer up a sacrifice to praise of God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Psalm chapter 34, verse 1, His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Psalm chapter 63, verse 3, Because of your loving kindness, it is better than life. My lips shall praise you. And there's something about the point where the thought goes from our brain and goes to our mouth and speaks out. It's a wonderful thing. But not only do we worship God through our words, we also worship God through our walk. I think one of the most interesting passages of scriptures is in the book of Genesis, where it talks about Enoch. You know who Enoch is? The father of Methuselah, who was kind of the longest living guy. He was like, he's like the grandfather or the great-grandfather of, of Noah. Hear what it says about him. It says that Enoch walked with God. And he was no more, for God took him. What was that? What was there about the relationship with Enoch that was so pure and so wonderful that God just said, Listen, you're just coming home with me. Isn't that something? And to walk goes a little bit more than the words. It is the daily pattern of our day. To put it in the daily incorporation of everything that we do. And this is important. Because words can be cheap, can't they? And um, words many times are not enough. But most of all, words are momentary. They only kind of go for a little while, and then they are gone. And that's why Paul says, walk in the Spirit. Like This needs to be a part of every single moment, every single thing that you do. If you walk in the Spirit, there will be fruit of the Spirit that will come. It will change you. If you worship Him in a way where you are doing it and mindful of it every day. You know what Paul also says in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 12? 
Walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Are you worshiping him through your walk? There's another one. To worship him through our work. Through everything that we do for him. It says in, in Colossians, And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That verse goes on to say in verse 23, it says, as the, do it as to the Lord and not to men. And you think, well, what's that all about? Well, at that particular time, many times Paul was writing letters to people who were so poor that they would hire themselves and their families out to people who were richer. And it was kind of like the slavery, but not the slavery that we kind of have seen in, in the history of America where there was, there was just... It was like a contract that happened when you realized that you were about to die. And you said, you know what, I'm going to contract myself out. Well, what that basically meant was there were certain things that you had to do that you had no control of. And to worship God through your work meant that many times you had to do work that was probably not the most desirable thing to do. And that's important for us because we think, I've got to enjoy it. And you might be here, and you may have a job. And if you were to be honest, and I'm not going to tell you to put your hand up. You might be here in the middle of a job that says, I don't like this job. I'm looking for another job. But Scripture says this. Whatever you do, word or deed, good or bad, whatever the situation, when you do it, you are actually worshiping God. And... In Scripture, when it comes to worship, God never ever differentiates between the sacred and the secular. That everything you do basically is worship. I remember one person talking at a work as worship seminar and basically said this. He says, sometimes the greatest worship that you can do, if you are, say, a chair maker, someone who makes chairs for a living, the best way that you can worship God is to make the best chair that you possibly can. To be the best employee that you can be. Whether you are going through a challenge or not. Whether there is drama which is happening or not. That the greatest testimony that you may have may be through the fact that you are worshiping God with the realization and the concept of your mind that everything that I do, whether it's taking out garbage or whether it is doing something I don't like, is going to be for the glory of God. Are you worshiping Him through your work. There's one more I wanted to do, and, and I'll stop there because there's a number of things. Are you worshiping him through your wondering? What do you mean by that? Well, I'm talking about through your deep thinking. Or are you doing deep thinking about God? Really, that's what this passage in, in uh, Psalm 96 is all about. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his majesty. You have to consider it in order to really worship him. Do you want to change your life? This is true. I, I, I will swear by this. If you, if you really commit yourself to doing it, schedule a time every day. Say you know that there's a time in your life where, where at 10, 15 every morning, there really isn't anything you can do or, or there isn't anything that uh, is, is pressing on your schedule. And you write it down in your schedule from 10.15, say, to 10.30. And during that time, 
you stop and consider God. You allow your heart to actually wonder. You schedule it, and you begin to consider and explore the concept of the omnipotence, the omniscience, the omnipresence of God. The fact that you live as a dot in a planet that is a dot in the universe, and this God who created the universe still somehow knows you. To stop and consider that God intimately knows my thoughts while at the same time knows the intimate thoughts of you and the six billion other people who are on the face of the earth. Does that not kind of mess you up a little bit? To stop and consider who God really is and how vast that really is. That we have not, there are, there are frontiers in this world that we have not even explored yet. There's some people, there's parts of the ocean that we have never gone before. I remember hearing one time that there was this huge, huge noise in between Australia and Antarctica that was so loud, and they can't figure out what it was. There's parts of this world that we've not even considered, and we are like a speck in the universe. There's millions of these other worlds around, and it is just, it is just so thought when when we consider and continually begin to wonder on God, it expands what God is wanting to do in your life. You begin to say, if this is the God that I serve, what is there of difficulty in my life? What is there in terms of the problems that I'm facing with a God that I serve who is like that? It is mind-boggling. It says in Psalm chapter 113, verse 7, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them? If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. There's a, a song that we used to sing in evangelical churches. I am a friend of God. Remember that? I am a friend of God. Come on, you guys know the song. There's a line in that song that, that always grasps me. Who am I? that you are mindful of me. Remember this line? That you hear me when I call. Oh Lord, my God, when I an awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands hath made. I see in the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe display, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art. How great you really are. And to stop and consider that we have relationship, that God in his infinite grace and wisdom allows us to be part. And if you don't know him, what are you waiting for? We have this wonderful God that we worship. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty and the splendor of his holiness. I am... Uh, was reading an article once about an individual <laughs> and he had this conversation that, that was mind-boggling to him. That there was this girl that he knew who um, didn't realize that the stars were like millions of miles into the galaxy. 
She just kind of thought that they were kind of up in the air, maybe a, a mile or two up in the air. And, and they're just kind of right there. There's these little kind of lights in the air. And, and this wasn't like a five-year-old girl. This is a girl that was still in college. And she, and she was extremely intelligent in so many ways. And, and she said, you know, I just never, ever really thought of it. I never, ever really knew. I just kind of thought that those stars were these little pin lights that were somehow in the air. And that's kind of how we saw them. And it was such a wonderful thing. He says, I was incredulous. What did you think before? He says this. This is the, the, the point he had come to. He says, if you were to ask me why it matters why we study the doctrine of God, I'd say for the same reason that it's worth knowing that the stars are not tiny pinpricks of light just above our heads. When we know the truth about God, it fills us with wonder. If we fail to understand his true character, we'll never be amazed by him. We'll never feel small as we stare up at him. We'll never worship him as we ought. We'll never run to him for refuge or realize the great love he has shown in the measureless distance he's bridged to rescue us. Father, I just pray that we will be true worship people. And Lord, I pray that somehow in the process by this word which is preached for some of us, Lord, it might go past that superficial level. Might go past the words. Might go past the song. I want to give you more than a song for a song itself is more than you require. God, you're wanting to do something deeper in our lives. And for us at this point in time, we're coming out of a... Uh, of a pandemic, trying to figure things out. Some of us just haven't been in church for a long time. We're just kind of sitting online, watching it, not knowing what to do. Can't help but thank God that you're wanting us to go out a little bit deeper. That you're wanting us to know you at a deeper level. That our worship becomes something that we do not only when we feel good. It's something that we do not when it's just Sunday morning. It is an extension of our life. And when we begin to get to that point, God, you begin to change us. And maybe my prayer is this, God, change us. May we be deep in you. Allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to move. If there are people who are here and um, don't know Jesus, my prayer is that, uh, that you will come to know him, that you will give him your life. And, and maybe there are people who are here and, you know, if, as, we're, as we're bowed in prayer, there might be someone who's saying, I don't know Jesus, I want to know him. If that's you, just kind of quickly put up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. There might be one or two people who are here. Perhaps you're online and, and, and you're, not, uh, you're not serving Jesus. You're just, kind of, you're just kind of here figuring this out. But somehow the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart. I believe over the next number of months, God is begin, going to begin to speak to the hearts of people, to hearts of unsaved people. So God, I just pray that you will move. For those people who are at that point, I pray that they will just make this prayer. God, I have blown it so many times. I am not able to make it to God myself. I need a Savior. And when you died on the sins, you paid for my sins, but I want to give you my life. I want to give you all of me. 
And so, Lord, I just pray that you'll move. Or, or God, I haven't really been serving you. I've been coming to church, and, and maybe I've lived my whole life. I really haven't been serving you. Please, God, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Take over, God. Forgive my sin. Allow the presence of God to move so that I can be a true worshiper of God. Lord, move in a powerful way. Move in this moment of God. Perhaps this moment is just for one or two people. So God, have your way, Lord. Move in a powerful way, we ask. And we just give our time to you, praying, God, that you will do great things because you are Lord God. So we worship you, Father. Whether we feel like it or not, in the beauty of holiness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.